Well, praise the Lord, church. The Lord is here. Amen? And He's with everybody watching. He has us, church. He has us in His hand. Well, Pastor Robert called me, or texted me this morning actually, and said, uh, can you take the service tonight? <laughs> and I said, sure. <laughs> so, um, as you might expect, whenever uh, a physician is asked to fill the pulpit, uh, he probably will talk something about health. And uh, if that's what you're thinking, you're probably right. So I'm going to talk about health tonight, but I'm going to start, as I usually do, with the Word of God. So get your Bibles out. And turn, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 55. About two years ago, the Lord gave me the first five verses of this chapter, and I wrote that down in my Raymond notebook, and I've been praying over them for a couple of years. Uh, but uh, two days ago, I was out on a prayer walk, and, and the Lord gave me fresh revelation, um, especially for um, Isaiah 55, 1 and 2. And um, I want to share a little bit about what He uh, revealed to me. I can't share everything at, at this point. Um, but uh, we'll take a look at what um, the Holy Spirit has for us tonight. So I'm going to begin reading in uh, Isaiah 55, starting with verse 1, and this is going to be in the New Living Translation. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come, take your ch choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. And I'm going to read the first phrase in verse 3. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. Now, obviously, the Lord is speaking um, of salvation here. It's free. He's made salvation free through Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, and He rose again to life, and He sits at the right hand of the Father. But it was interesting to me that He, he, he couches this free gift of salvation in terms of eating and in terms of food. And he says, you don't have to have money. Come, take this. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that doesn't give you strength? Why spend your money on the world and the world's things that do not give you salvation? Why spend your money on physical food that does not give you strength and help? So let's explore a little bit more about this message that, that 
the Father is giving us through His, His living Word, and He's talking about it in terms of eating. So, um, I have a real long sermon tonight. It's on one page. So, um, turn over, if you will, to Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. This is a familiar passage to all of you. It's Jesus in the wilderness. He hadn't eaten for 40 days, and he is in the wilderness, and Satan has come, come to tempt him. And in uh, verse 3, it says, During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. And Jesus told him, No. The Scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, he's quoting from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3. And if you go back and look at that in context, he's talking about how he fed the Israelites in the wilderness with manna. And he wanted to show them that he could provide everything for them and that they needed to live their lives by the every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. And so, again, it's... it's it's spoken of in terms of us eating and satisfying our physical needs. But now he's saying, here's, here's Satan tempting him, saying, oh, hey, I know you're hungry. Turn these stones into bread. That's what the Scripture says. And Jesus says, no, it is written that you shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So church, what we need to do is that we need to sup on, we need to eat, we need to consume the Word of God. Because that is going to be life to us. That's what we read in the first part of chapter, or verse 3 in chapter 55 of Isaiah. It is life to you. So His Word is life to us. John 1.14 Jesus is talking about Jesus, and in, the, in the, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth, and we have beheld His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father. So Jesus is the Word incarnate. Now uh, turn over to John 6.35, and... and um, Jesus is speaking here in, in verse 35. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So Jesus, again, is another example of food, of eating. He is the bread of life. In fact, over in verse 53 of that chapter, he says, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. So, Jesus is the bread of life, and, um, and we partake of the Word, the Word that became flesh, and that Word becomes life to us. Jeremiah 15, 16. Flip over there real quick. Now, I like Jeremiah 15, 16. In fact, Pastor Robert used this verse the other day in a sermon. Um, in the King James Version, and uh, Jeremiah says, 
Thy word was found, and I did eat it. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And, and thy word was unto me... Um, I just forgot. But the, yeah, you're my joy and my heart's delight. So he became the joy and the delight of his heart because he is called by his name, O Lord God of hosts. Now what's really interesting about that is, is he's taken the word and he's eating it and it becomes the joy and rejoicing of his heart. See, I got it right that time. The joy and rejoicing of his heart. And, and he says, I'm called by thy name. And that Hebrew word for called is kara. And it means to, um, to be named, for one thing. So he's, he's kind of saying, you've named me. And he said, but it also means to be chosen, and it means to be called out. Now, we know God called Jeremiah as a prophet, but what's also interesting is Jeremiah, the name in, in Hebrew is Yir-me-yah, Yir-me-yah, and it means whom Jehovah has appointed. So, so that word that he ate actually became his destiny. God had called him out. He had actually put his name on him, whom Jehovah has appointed, and has called him out by the word. He ate the word. That word became life to him. And church, that's the same thing that happens to us. As we eat the word, it becomes life to us, and it puts us on our destiny line. The Father says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for your welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope, Jeremiah 29, 11. So he knows his, the plans that he has for us, and that word sets us on that destiny line. So let's look at another verse, and it's interesting, it's Jeremiah 15, 16. So now go to John 15, 16. Jesus is speaking again. You know this chapter is the the vine and the branches chapter. And he says in, in 16, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. So in the same way that the Father chose and appointed Jeremiah, he has chosen each one of us. We didn't choose him, he chose us. And he appointed us to bear much fruit and that that fruit would remain. And so that, that all happens through his word. His word has called us, it has appointed us, and it has set us on our destiny line. So we need to take that word in every day. We cannot just nibble on the Word, you know, like, uh, what do they call them, grazers that just graze all day and they take a little piece here and nibble and a little piece. No, he says, I want you to come to my banqueting table. We're to chow down. We're to have three square meals a day that is of His Word. To take in His Word, to chew on His Word, to meditate on His Word day and night so that that Word really becomes 
a part of us, who we are. We take that word in and it becomes our life. Galatians 2.20, it's no longer we who live, but Christ the word who lives in us. And so we feast on his word and that's how we walk in the spirit. Amen? But notice that because... Um, this is God-ordained. He has provided His Word from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. His Word has always been, and it always will be. But then enters in our enemy, the devil, Satan, and from the very beginning, what does he do with the Word? Is he twists it. And in the garden... He says to Eve, did God really say that you should not eat of any tree here in the garden? So already he's twisting God's word and casting doubt. And isn't it interesting? It's about food. It's about eating. And so he's already casting doubt in Eve's mind about what God really said. And you know the rest of the story. We're living the rest of the story right now. But then also, uh, the very same thing happened to Jesus in the wilderness when Satan was tempting him. And, and, and Satan twists the word to try to get Jesus to fall and to fail. But Jesus every time responds, no, it is written. You shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And he corrects him. He stands against the evil one, so much so that Satan has to depart to find a more opportune time. And that's the same way that we stand today. So that means, church, that we have to know the difference between what is right, what is the holy, true Word of God, and the enemy's devices to twist it. He's always doing that. Let me give you another example. If you want to flip over with me to 2 Peter and uh, chapter 3, and uh, Peter in verse 15 is writing to, uh, is writing, and he says, And remember, the Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him, speaking of these things in all of his letters. Some of his comments are hard to understand, and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture, and this will result in their destruction. That's going on today. And so... We need to be spending precious hours in this Word of God, feasting on the Word of God, and getting the true, uh, pure spiritual milk of the Word into us that we may be able to stand in the evil day. Amen? All right. So, we have to distinguish between the real food of the Word and the junk food. That's a segue to the next section, by the way. 
Uh, so uh, so I, I've talked about the spiritual aspect of eating the Word of God. And we, we need to feed our spirits, but we also, because we are spirit, soul, and body, we need to feed our physical bodies. I've taught on this before, and uh, the fact that we are not our own. We were bought with a price, the blood of Jesus, and so we should glorify God in our bodies. We are stewards of our bodies. We are to glorify our Father in heaven in our bodies. And so that, in the same way that we need to take in the pure spiritual milk of the Word, then we need to take in pure food in our bodies so that we do not corrupt our bodies, but we take good care of our bodies and glorify our Father in heaven. Now here's where I don't know where I'm going, because uh, uh, so we're, I'm totally depending on the Holy Spirit. So this morning, right after Robert texted me, uh, I had a uh, conference to go to, a virtual conference via Zoom. And um, this conference was, is the, it was called the Regional, Regional Cooking for Health. Regional Cooking for Health. It was put on by the Glenwood Center for Regional Food and Farming in um, the Hudson Valley in New York. Um, and I, there, there was so much that, that went on, and, and, and my heart's full of it, and I want to share some of it with you, but I'm just going to share a few things for the sake of time. So what Glenwood Center for Regional Food and Farming does in the Hudson Valley is that they are looking to um, uh, uh, come up with regional foods that are locally produced, both um, uh, vegetables, uh, fruits, and, um, and meats, and, um, and make those available to the region. And one of the ways that they do that is they have what's known as the Hudson Valley CSA Coalition. CSA uh, has to do with... Um, um, well, now I just blanked on that, what it means to... Who knows what CSA stands for? Community Supported Agriculture. I was just testing you. <clears throat> Community supported agriculture. So they have about a little more than 80 farms in 11 counties uh, in New York that uh, have formed a coalition in order to make their locally grown, in season produce and uh, meats available to the surrounding communities. So these are um, uh, foods that are, are uh, responsibly grown, organically grown with also um, what's known as regenerative agriculture. In other words, they're also taking care of the land, and they're making sure that the land is responsibly uh, stewarded so that it, it, is, it remains fertile. And, um, and then um, all that food in a, in a CSA is uh, people will uh, pay a uh, monthly premium, and then they will receive foods on a weekly or bi-weekly basis that comes from that farm. And, uh, and so, but what that does is, 
is it provides healthy food to the population. Because what has happened is that our um, large um, big agriculture, commercial agriculture, uh, has engaged in um, monoculture um, and, and grow things on a great scale. And so much of our foodstuffs have um, uh, become uh, not, have lost nutrition over the years uh, in macro and micronutrients. And, um, and then simultaneously, because they have to use so much fertilizer and herbicides and pesticides, then it's also destroying the land, losing topsoil, and then it's also tainting the produce with those things as well. And uh, it's the same thing with meats and with hormones and antibiotics and, and being um, grain-fed instead of grass-fed. And so our food supply, which also comes from a long distance usually, sits on the shelf for a long time, has become corrupted. Now I want you to see the parallels here, is that in the same way that Satan has twisted and tried to corrupt the spiritual word so that we uh, are, are befouled, so to speak, if we do not know the true word. It's the same thing he's done in befouling or tainting our food sources. And now there's this movement to come back into local and regionally grown, responsibly, organically grown produce that will be uh, made available in that local area. It has another knock-on effect, and that is that um, it returns community. So whereas Satan wants to isolate everybody, like during this pandemic, and, uh, but, but even so, there are people out there now who, uh, that do not even know what fresh produce looks like. They think corn comes in a can, and, and they don't know what a, a full head of romaine lettuce looks like or where it came from. And um, so, uh, so <laughs> one of the uh, physicians that was um, uh, in, in the uh, webinar today was Dr. Um, Robert Graham. And Dr. Graham is a board-certified uh, internist, internal medicine, board-certified in integrative medicine. He has a master's in public health, and he is also a trained chef. And he uh, is practicing in his own private practice what he calls culinary medicine. And I wish I had his, uh, his presentation from today, um, because he had a lot of scientific data that showed that the um, having foods like I just described that are locally grown and made available, and they go from the farm to the table, it actually reduces disease. Uh, but I did the next best thing. I did a quick search on uh, PubMed, and I came up with uh, one of the articles I think he might have referred to, uh, this was published in the uh, American Journal of Lifestyle Medicine, uh, and it's the, the title is Culinary Medicine, Paving the Way to Health Through Our Forks. And um, 
And I just want to give you a couple of pieces of data out of this. Um, the CDC, as a matter of fact, uh, has shown that 36.6% of adult Americans dine at fast food restaurants on a daily basis. So a full one-third of our population eats at a fast food restaurant every day. And, and one of the factoids he had in his presentation that 70% of the, of the food that you will get at a fast food restaurant is unhealthy. 50% of the food at any restaurant is unhealthy. And um, so uh, one of the things that they have others, uh, also shown in data is that home cooking is associated with higher quality nutrient intake and reduced calorie intake overall. They also found out that uh, though they did a study uh, looking at um, uh, two groups of adults, uh, those who ate three meals a day of ultra-processed food and those who ate three meals a day of minimally processed food. And they found out that those that ate the ultra-processed food consumed 500 calories per day more than the other group that ate unprocessed food. So no wonder we're in an, a, an obesity epidemic in our country uh, because of the highly processed foods and refined foods that we uh, as being made available to us. You can just go down to HEB and cruise the aisles and it's on every aisle. Um, and then the last thing is um, they looked at uh, two studies, the Nurses Health Study and the Health Professionals Follow-Up Study, and they found the data showed that people who ate 11 to 14 home-cooked lunches and dinners per week had a 14% lower risk of developing type 2 diabetes than those who only ate six or fewer. So uh, one of the things that, that Dr. Graham was talking about was uh, the fact that um, that people don't cook at home anymore. And oh, by the way, popping a frozen pizza in the microwave is not cooking. We're talking cooking at home. You know, getting the ingredients together. I learned a new word today because uh, Dr. Graham and his wife actually prepared a full meal uh, as we watched. It was amazing. Uh, but they have what's known as mise en place. How many of you heard that? Mise en place. It means to have all of your ingredients already measured out and setting on your counter so that as you put the recipe together, you don't have to go, oh man, I need some dried oregano. Where did I put that? It's already here. Okay? Mise en place. Big French term. And, um, and, and, and learning how to cook and cooking in your home does many things. It brings... Um, uh, nutrient-dense foods in together. It, it allows people in the home to cook together. It, uh, it Actually, they've shown that in this period of time in the pandemic where people are at home, they are cooking more at home, and families are sitting down at the table together. Mom, dad, and the kids are sitting down together. So there's actually a plus to the pandemic in, in actually helping to knit back up the fabric of our society. But um, So I brought all of this up to just um, 
remind you of all the things that I've talked about before. You know, we talked about the four pillars of health. And actually, Dr. Graham, um, he has a, a business now called uh, Fresh Medicine. But FRESH is an acronym that stands for food, relaxation, exercise, sleep, and happiness. So he has five pillars, and I'm thinking about adding the fifth one. Happiness is a really good pillar to stand on. But he had the four pillars that I have described before, diet, nutrition, or he calls food, relaxation or stress management, exercise, and restorative sleep. And now it's called fresh medicine, and we bring that to every person. And now they are able, in the same way that God used eating and food as an example of coming to Him and receiving what is free, and taking that in and having life, Now we can do the same thing with um, organically grown nutrient-dense food and cooking it together in home and uh, getting familiar with all of the spices that are in the world besides salt and pepper, And, and, and then sitting down and enjoying a meal together in real love, in real community. So... Uh, one of the things that I am working on right now, and hopefully it won't be too long till we have it in place, is a teaching kitchen um, uh, right here in the fellowship hall. And uh, it's going to be a way for me as the physician to teach um, uh, didactically uh, nu- nutrition information, but also to learn how to shop. Uh, to learn how to do mise en place, uh, to to learn how to uh, use uh, kitchen um, uh, appliances, uh, and and then to actually put a meal together, a meal that is whole food, plant based, and uh, or Mediterranean or anti-inflammatory in, in design and then actually partaking and consuming that meal there so that we can know and explore what are all the uh, uh, wildly varied uh, foods that God had created for us, and, um, and, to, and then to get the health benefit out of that. And, um, and then when I was in medicine and I was training as a, a medical student and also as a resident, we had this, this saying, especially when it came to procedures like uh, doing a spinal tap, you see one, do one, teach one. And, uh, and in this case, in a teaching kitchen, when you have a class come through, then they start practicing that in their own kitchen, in their home, and then they're able to teach others also. And oh, by the way, that's a spiritual principle. If you go look at 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul tells Timothy, what you've learned from me, teach faithful men, so that those faithful men can teach others also. And that's what I'm talking about. And then the other thing that I have for a a medium to long-term goal is exactly what I've talked about that Glenwood has done. And I'm already talking to these people 
Um, uh, Kathleen Finley at, at Glenwood. Uh, we had a really good breakout session together today. She's the president of the Glenwood uh, effort. Um, and um, uh, I'm also a, a member of the uh, Farm and Ranch Freedom Alliance here in Texas, and I've been talking to Judith McGarry and, and about doing the same thing here in this region is coming up with some form of either a CSA, a farmer's market, a cooperative, or whatever. But in other words, to form a coalition to where we can have um, the in-season, fresh, organically grown produce and grass-fed meats uh, available for our local communities. So my, my word to you tonight is... Um, is choose your food wisely. And I'm, I'm talking both your spiritual food and the food that you eat in your body. There's even a food by which we uh, stabilize our minds. So I talked to you about meditation and relaxation and meditation on the Word of God, Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. That's God's principle. And so as we meditate on it, it stabilizes, it satisfies, it um, brings peace and comfort to our mind. And then our spirit rules our mind, and our mind and spirit rule our body. And now we walk in that destiny line that God has already placed before us. And we utilize all of our individual giftings for the edification and the building up of the body of Christ. So be sure that you are getting adequate nutrition to serve the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Amen? So let me pray for us and uh, close the session, everybody out there watching. And um, I pray that this, this message has, um, that you take it in and uh, that you meditate on it, you consider it, that you go to the throne of grace and you say, Father, what am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about my relationship to your word? What am I going to do about my relationship to food? What am I going to do about cooking in my home? What am I going to do with my family? What am I going to do with my extended family? How do I re reconnect in my community? How do we become a real community caring for one another? Those kinds of things, because he will reveal it to you because that's on his heart. So I'm going to pray for everybody, and then, um, and then we'll close, and you can put your offerings. I'll pray for the offering as well, and you can um, put that in the bucket on the way out. So Father God, I thank You for this time together. I thank You that You are the Almighty God, that we can rest assured that You have everything under control, that You are working everything out according to Your eternal plan that You knew from the foundation of the world. Father, You have always been. You inhabit the past, present, and future simultaneously. I don't understand that, but then You are God. 
And we, we just give everything to you. We want to serve you with all of our heart, with all of our minds, with all of our strength. We present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you because that's our reasonable worship. We don't want to be conformed to this world, but we do want to be transformed by the renewal of our mind that we may prove what your will is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we, we praise you, we worship you, we give you glory, and we say, even so, Lord Jesus, come. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.